the new the new chapter that uh, we, are, we are going to study for this month goal setting and life failures but i call it goal setting and life challenges uh what comes to my mind immediately and which i think would be in everybody's mind is what is leadership and who is a leader or who is a leader and what is leadership uh, i want to quickly put everybody's mind at rest because i know in a bible study like this especially when you are taking a topic that is very well grounded in uh, management and now we are going to tackle it from biblical point of view but i also beseech us that um, even though we are in a bible class and in most cases what happens in the bible class is this one people step into the bible class and they immediately switch off their God-given mental capacity. And uh, two, they do so because they want to avoid offending the Holy Spirit. But ladies and gentlemen, when you do that, at least you switch off your God-given capacity, you actually yield yourself to manipulation and hypnotism. And so actually you are even offending God when you switch off. At least not using your capabilities and not using the capacity that God has already planted inside of you, which we have in the last few days now. We are in part of talking about talent, talent, talent. For rather, as a child of God, your capabilities is already refined by the Holy Spirit. That is the difference between we and the earthly people. So you can avoid the errors the earthly people make, make when it comes to leadership and indeed every other aspect of life as a Christian. I also go back again to what I used to say. The great matter you have, your brain, God gave it to you, not the devil. God who gave it to you designed it to enable you understand him. So when he sends prophets and sent messages, he expect them to speak and for you to use that your knowledge, your brain, to understand him. Study his word. Develop your discerning spirit and help unbelievers to understand God's leadership and God's leadership traits. Now that is to lay the foundation. Having laid this foundation, brothers and sisters, I want to beseech you again. If you have dropped your earthly brain because you want to get Holy Spirit, please bring it back so you can get it refined by the Holy Spirit. Building your faith into who the Lord say you are, an awesome leader. So I'll go back to my question. Who is a leader and what is leadership? I won't bother you with any different theories of leadership. But let's be pragmatic in defining who a leader is and what is leadership. I will define it by giving some of the attributes of a leader. A, a leader is one who is visionary in any aspect or project or scheme he is involved. He thinks ahead positively and is able to preempt challenges. He is visionary. But listen again, he could also think ahead negatively. If, if only is a bad leader. 
be a leader motivates. He motivates his team to achieve organizational, corporate, or even village goals. He motivates by his speech, the works of his hand, his wisdom, his attitude, his dealings, even his body language, and in his fear of God. Let me repeat that. A leader motivates his team by his speech, his attitude, his wisdom, his daily dealings, even his body language, and his fear of God. It's amazing that his fear of God, because he's a leader, and they see it in you, motivates his team members. See, a leader gets things done. A leader gets things done. That is, he has the power and the capability to get, to get things done. Now, for the benefit of the greater society. So often, a leader is usually selfless most of the times. Those are very key. So in a nutshell, we say a leader is visionary, motivational, get things done, and he fears God. That gives you the attribute of a Christian leader. And my prayer is that each and every one of us is that, and will attend that in Jesus' name. So now you get the definition of a leader. What then is leadership? What then is leadership? I define leadership as a process of infusing those four items I just mentioned. Visionary, motivational, getting things done, and fear of God into an action verb. Into an action verb. Visionary, motivational, getting things done, and the fear of God. The process of putting this into action is what leadership is talking about. Essentially, it coordinates, it motivates, that is, it sees the talent in you and pulls it out. Is visionary, usually one step ahead of his community, of his team. He is humble and fears God. Now, as Christians, it is very important, not even that, even anywhere you are as a position of a leader, the fear of God is key. Otherwise, if you have a leader who is visionary, motivational and getting things done and does not fear God, you will, by default, have created a tyranny, a tyrant. You create a leadership process that is tyrannical. For tyrants, if you have anyone in your mind, reflect about them. Could be good, could be leaders, excellent leaders, but without the, without the fear of God. Tyrants could be leaders, Excellent leaders, at least they are visionary, 
they get things done, they can motivate you to go to war and die for their, for their sake. But they do not have the fear of God. So more often than not, you will see that it's usually very self-centered, very greedy, even though it's visionary. It gets things done, but the greater society's interest is not his focus. His focus is about me, I, and myself, and my family only. He is selfish. He pursues his selfishness to any height. He steals, destroys, and kills. And that's a familiar verb, a familiar uh, phrase. That tyrant of a leader or a bad leader steals, destroys, and kills. So we are getting something about this leadership and leaders. But what we are doing today, actually, is studying God-fearing leaders and a leadership process that fears God. You don't want to read the word fear God. You want to put the word leadership process that acknowledge God in his majesty. And realizing that even if you have all those paraphernalia of an office as a leader, that you are nothing. And you acknowledge God in his glory. So that's the type of leader we are, we are studying about, not a tyrant. Let me go deeper a little bit. At times, in, 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 when you study the other, the negativity, you probably will appreciate the positive angle of it all. For instance, the slave leaders, they were also leaders. Many of them were Christian leaders too. The slave traders, they were also leaders. Many were Christian leaders. They were basically Thailand because they never had the fear of God in their mind. I don't know who among you have ever seen the slave Bible. It's amazing if you see the slave Bible. In that slave Bible, which is approved by the church, then it's there from the Bible the slave master used. But one thing you will notice about the slave Bible, they removed the book of Isaiah. They removed the book of Exodus. And they removed some section of the book of Proverbs. Of course, you and I know the meaning of that as Bible students. So they removed anywhere that God has shown the manifestation of slaves becoming free. Or where God injected so much leadership quality because they don't want them to start seeing themselves in that light. They move areas where God gave a lot of proverbs about when you are down, how you can stand up, how you can rise up. They did that to hypnotize the slaves. But they were leaders because they were visionary, they were, they were motivational. They get things done, but they do not have the fear of God. Far away from them. So my advice this evening is that please be a God-fearing leader. If it's all you can get today, my lecture is done. I am satisfied. Just try to be a leader. Be a God-fearing leader.
If that is all you can get today, I am satisfied. My teaching today is done. So, gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, we focus your mind on the God-fearing leader. I refresh your mind again. He is visionary to the glory of God. He motivates his team, making positive God-fearing influence on persons he comes across, pulling out the best out of you to the glory of God. He sees in you his teammates, what that teammate may not even have seen in himself. He is a leader. He exhibits the powers, at his ability to get things done. But he does that with humility and he fears God. Quickly, let's look at two classical examples. If you watch, I have deliberately not quoted any pattern of the Bible yet. So that you can realize that in your thought process, you can get this message right. Let's take our Bible quick to Mark chapter 14, verse 17. Mark chapter 14, verse 17. Let's, let's quickly see what our precious book, the Holy Bible, is telling us about leaders and leadership. Mark chapter 14, verse 17. Let me read. I'm sure. Okay. And in the evening, he cometh with the twelve. 17 to 20. And in the evening, he cometh with the twelve. Go ahead, 18. Okay. And while they were at the table eating, Jesus said, Surely I say to you, one of you will betray me, who is eating with me. Yes, and, and let me, let me, okay, good. And in the evening, he comments, writing from 17 to 20, please. And in the evening, he comments with the 12, 18. And they sat and eat and did eat. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. 19. They began to be sorrowful. They began to be sorrowful and they asked one another, Is it I? Another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dipped with me in the dish. The message I'm bringing here, my brethren, is this. Here is Christ himself. Yehushua the Christ himself, with all this grace and the spiritual authority, if you like, call it spiritual superiority, eating on the same table with his 12 disciples, dipping on that sauce one after another. Put on your thinking cap. Thank God, if, if you look at it, the, the type of bread they eat then, it's like what you have today in pizza pizza, that flat bread, then they give you sauce. As they take it, one puts one, one, you take one, another one puts one again. He was doing that. But my question to you, brothers and sisters, do you think Yehushua, Jesus Christ, couldn't have created a class for himself where he eats alone to make his divinity even more mysterious? Do you think he couldn't have done that? Where he could eat alone and then the disciples eat on their own? I assure you, he could. And it could be justified. 
But in order to teach you and me one of the characteristics of a leader, the power of humility. What are the characteristics of a leader? Power of humility and teaching the subordinates. Look at the issue of washing of the feet of the apostles. Today, how many of us leaders, pastors, eat with our congregants? For many of us today, our members have not seen us eat for once. Oh yes, in some churches, some members have not seen their pastor eat. That is not the principle or the character of a good leader. We can justify it, but I know it is wrong. Very wrong. And I keep saying it all along. The capacity of what a leader does to motivate is incredible. Can you imagine if you go for a naming ceremony of a member of your church and you have about 50 people, 60 people there in that naming ceremony and they serve that hot rice and uh, chicken and wine and um, fruit juice and the pastor comes in and speaks eloquently, spiritually, usually and bless the food but will not taste it. They will package his own and put in a basket and put in his boot. He finishes speaking and he steps out and he goes away. To me, that is totally wrong. What you are building is not leadership. You're not motivating them. Because you have only made them to see you almost close to God. Because before you know what's happening, they will wear you a garment of arrogance, a garment of, oh man, see, you see the pastor, wow. It's so so clean, so 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 divine. So, so spiritual, you are not motivated. You are creating another set of spiritual superiority among your tenants, which is not good in the eyes of God. This is exactly what Christ was displaying here. Even if, even if you have cause to be in the hurry, because there are times where things will happen that way, I beseech us here, please, even if you take two or three spoons of the jellof rice in the presence of everybody, Eat it together, drink the drink the, the 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 juice together, and laugh and get choked and cough and chew the chicken. See, let them see you tear the chicken apart and laugh while you are rushing to the next appointment. You don't know how much you have influenced them positively. This is what leaders should learn to do, and this is what Christ is teaching us as a good example of a leader. It's very important. Now, turn on our Bible, they go to Acts of Apostles, chapter 8, verse 1. Let's see, I think I'm going to just two, 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 two verse, two chapters, so we can just on all, all display the capacity and the power of a leader. The Acts of Apostles, chapter 1, chapter 8, verse 1. I hope I'm right, yes. Chapter 8. Not chapter 1, please. Chapter 8, verse 1. Hold on, man. Why is it going back to chapter 1? Chapter 8, verse 1. And it said, And Saul was consenting unto his death. 
And at that time, the death is the death of Stephen. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostle. Two, the devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation. Three, but Saul, who later became Paul, shamefully treated and laid waste the church continuously, entering from house after house. He dragged out men and women and committed them to prison. Let's stop there. Now, this is Apostle Paul when he was Saul. He supervised the killing of Stephen and prosecuted the church. But that was a leader. In his own vision, it was like, let us eliminate this Christianity. He got people motivated because the Bible, other person said, he, he, he gladly supervised the killing. So he had that motivational power. Right? Thank God, he later repented and used his talent positively. But Paul exhibited all the traits of a leader. He was motivational, he was visionary, even though then it was negative. He displayed capacity to get things done. When he repented, he never shied away. But beyond that, I keep wondering, how come the church accepted him back that so quickly? But I know that that's the power of the Holy Ghost working. In today's, we probably would have resisted him. Right? When the Holy Ghost is at work, nothing is impossible. So as a leader, who desire to motivate and get things done, what do you do? One, set goals for your team. Now, when you set goals for your team, even in elementary management, you say, don't set goal, in, goal individually. Don't set goal as, the, as your guy at the top. Set goals involving your team member. I've done that many times. When we are drawing, those are in the bank. When you are drawing budget, when I'm supervising 15, 20 branches, you realize that you can sit at management meeting, see the management uh, vision for the next year, and they cascade your own portion to you. You, Francis, and your 20 branches, you have to deliver 3.2 billion. You go to, you now cascade it to your various branches according to that capacity. You can do it there with your Excel and finish it up, and then send an email to the branches. They dare not question you and the job is done. You're not achieving it, we'll fire you. But as you grow in leadership, you realize that, oh, even if you have the 3.2 billion to achieve, it will be good to gather your 20 branch managers together with the top assistants in, and begin to discuss what it takes to achieve. Can we achieve this goal? If it is yes, what can we do? If it is no, so we'll go back to management, let us know. Throw it open to them. You know, you already know that that's your mandate. You even know that you can't even go back to your management and tell them you can't achieve it. You throw it to them. They will go into the, a retreat, two, three days retreat. 
You know what you are doing as a leader? You have typically motivated them to be part of the goal setting. And you know what happens? They take personal and collective responsibility. Remember where the goal is coming from? The board of directors of the bank and the MD set it up. They called us on Moshe and gave it to you and said, go and achieve this 3.2 billion. If you know you can't, you can't do it, resign. Let's get somebody else. You say, I can do it, sir. To carry 3.2 billion. You go to your branches. So yeah, come. This is our target for next year. But leadership structure is saying, you know what you do? At that level, don't pass an executive instruction. Call them together. They will scream, say, wow. Oh, God, this is too much. How do we do it? Say, that's exactly why I call you for a three days retreat. Think. Think customer base. Think income revenue, income revenue. Think how to reduce your expenses. Think what to do. Think of even a gold getter you know in another branch or in another bank that you know can make, make us achieve this goal. Go and get it. At the end of it all, what you have done, you have just motivated them to set up to take responsibility. So you set up the goals and establish it within your pragmatic skills. Now in Christianity, the same principle, right? Except that in Christianity, even if it is even a secular job, if I put out quote, because you are there, the Holy Ghost is interesting. He will come in there, see what goal you are setting, and give you help. I order the steps of your righteous ones. If there are somebody that will help you achieve that goal, the Lord will lead you to, to that person and you will achieve it. This is the beauty and the benefit of being a child of God. When goals are set and you attain it, brethren, never take the glory, return the glory to God. That's one of the secrets of a successful leader. He set goal. But he knows where he draws his energy from. He gets his members to be committed to that goal, to take personal and collective duties and responsibility. And because we, are, we collectively set the goal for ourselves, we agree. So I, don't, I won't be running after you again when, I, when, when we see that the goal we set for three months, after, after, for three months goal, after six weeks, half of the three months, we are just achieving 20%. You will not be talking as a leader. It is they that will be lamenting. Because you, we are just at 20% of our, of our target. What can we do? We need to increase our run rate. Now, those are the statements that a motivational leader would infuse into the heart of his teammates. And that is what you should do. So you are making them think outside the box as if they are the general manager. It is simply because you got them involved in the process. You got them involved in the budgeting process. You got them to take responsibility. That is the attribute of a leader, of a Christian leader. And my prayer is that you will attain that and you have that same team in Jesus' name. Now, as you set goals, ensure you partake in it. It is wrong to set goals and say it is for them. You set goals for us. For instance, the goal of winning souls for Christ, dismantling the stronghold of the wicked forces, the goal of giving hope to ourselves in the church, 
we ensure that your solution package for achieving these goals are not just spiritual alone, but a lot of touch of the challenges in your environment. You get them involved in it. When they realize that, oh, our pastor or our leader is after all a human being who can make mistakes but has absolute trust in us, is even able to tell a person who is talented and look at that, you are not using one talent you have. Say, really? Say, yes, I see this, I see this, I see this in you. Come, you brush the person up and it moves on. It will never, ever forget you. I still remember somebody called Amodu. Amogu, Amogu, Amogu. I think he's the deputy director of, um, of uh, Anambra Polytechnic, Oko. I remember when he one or so as a stammerer, those days when I was in university, I could not speak without banting my leg on the ground as such. But I remember, I, today I can't forget that guy. From, he's a deeper life past, um, person. He did not say he come to deeper life, no. What he did was to say, Francis, Come, let's join the literary and debating society. Now, here am I studying mathematics and statistics. Literary and debating society is in language art, or rather, I know it's open, but it's usually people who speak their type of thing. And here is a child of God telling me, but I did not know what, what he was doing then. It's actually a spiritual exercise, building my faith. And wanted to put that faith at work. But the Bible says, faith without work is dead. They come, let's join. And thank God I followed him. But while I followed him, and I went to that literary society, what was I thinking about? Oh, when I, I'm out to speak now, I will be stuttering. They'll be laughing at me. But you know what? Even when I began to stutter and talk with them, none of them laughed at me. None of them. Instead, they were even motivating me. Now I know what happened. Those it was ahead. And by the time I was seeing my mom, Seven, eight months later, she was shot. I forgot that I thought when I was living home a year ago, that when I started talking, and I was like, ah, is this what university does? That's not what university does, but that was what the Holy Ghost did. That is what a leader does. To me, he was a selfless leader, and forever I remember him. Lastly, how does a leader handle failure? I want to use one name. How does a leader handle life challenges? Because as far as I'm concerned, I usually don't want to call it failures. I prefer to call it stages in your life journey. Because a failure is a failure if you accepted it so and you wear the garment of failure. If you ever have that, I beg you and I beseech you this evening, re-strategize. Fellowship or liaise with people who have passed through that path or any path that you desire to follow. Amen? Fellowship with them so that you realize that that you failed is not the end of the world. That you did not succeed in a particular venture is not the end of the world. You would have seen people who have failed many more like, times like, than you. They will show you how many, how many ways not to fail. I'll give a classical example. I think it was in the 70s one of the automobile giants in the U.S., one of the design experts made a terrible error that cost the company $6 million in the 70s. That was enough to dismiss that boy. Instead, 
that was the mobile giant got the ball in, in, a, in a team that was supposed to look at how this failure came about, how come the system could not detect it. And eventually they found the errors, they corrected the errors. The committee corrected the errors. Now it was natural that people expected them to fire the guy because it cost the company $6 million. You know, what they, you know what the company said? Fire him? No way. Because if I fire him, my rival will quickly take him. Because now, because they know he is talented, he already knows how not to fail. So they choose not to fire him. That's what the leader does. He saw the talent in him, and rather than looking at the negative failure, or the of failure, he look at the positive side. The lesson here is that the giant automobile company did not see that disappointment as a failure. Just one step on how not to do steps. And now how not to fail, how to do a stop. So our attitude on life failure should be like that. You take a step and you fail, it is you know one way how not to do that. As a leader, being visionary is your duty. But be rest assured, the Holy Spirit will neither leave you nor forsake you. So don't be scared of being a being visionary as a leader and as a Christian leader. And as a Christian leader, being motivational is also your task. Setting goals and amassing the resources around you to achieve such goals is your mandate. Failures or challenges, whatever name they want to call it, is a battle as a leader you must brace up to face daily. This is why you must be visionary. You are all leaders. That is the truth. You are all leaders. So go forward and manifest. I declare it shall be well with you in Jesus' name. This is a Bible study. So 